Do you want to hear about great work happening in schools around the world? Just Schools are life-giving places that address feedback, engagement, and well-being for each student. Dr. John Eckert digs deep into the current educational landscape with research, experience, and a good dose of humor and humility. Join us in the desire to do justice, love kindness, and walk with confident humility. Get inspired with stories of improvement in the profession that makes all others possible. Today's guest is Sahira Kodra. She's an amazing kindergarten teacher in Leander ISD. And she has been part of our master's program, and we're so excited she's going to be coming to work with us full-time for the Baylor Center for School Leadership. She's one of the best catalysts that I've seen in the way she comes alongside people wherever they're at and helps encourage them in ways that make the work more sustainable. Listen to the end of this one, because there's some great insight she has in the lightning round. So listen to how she's been humbled by kindergartners this year and the transformation that she hopes for and has come because of that. Today, we're here with Sahira Kodra, who is an amazing educator, who I wanted to get on at the end of the school year to offer some encouragement to you as we wrap up the year and we look into what the summer looks like for a couple of reasons, but not least of which is the way her year started. So Sahira, it's great to have you here. Can you just tell us a little bit about how this school year started for you? Yeah, of course. Um, so I was all prepped and ready to open a brand new campus in my district. Um, I was going to be teaching fourth grade, which I've taught virtually before. Um, so I was really excited to, you know, pull out my old stuff in my Google Drive and, um, you know, get my curriculum set. My parents were really helpful, came up, made my room really beautiful and nice. Um, and then two days before school started, uh, I got moved to kindergarten. And so that was a total physical shift into a different classroom. It was a mindset shift. I've never taught a lower grade before other than as a TA at Baylor. Um, And so just kind of totally having to, you know, change my world around um, and be ready to, you know, embrace these five-year-olds who were, um, you know, have never really had an education experience because of COVID. Many of them had never done preschool before. Um, So I was their first teacher. And um, so it was just a really eye-opening experience um, at the beginning of this year. Right. And what I loved about you, though, is, you know, it was not what you had expected. You'd actually spent a lot of your time in our master's program preparing to be the team lead for fourth grade and had some amazing plans and really done some great leadership work. But, you know, within those first couple of weeks, I, I think we had some type of Zoom conversation and I can see your room in the background. And it was amazing. It looked like a kindergarten room that was well-organized with a teacher who knew what she was doing. And maybe it didn't always feel like that to you, but you made this remarkable transition, even though it wasn't what you'd wanted or expected, but you seemed to make the most of it. So what have you learned in this setting that you think would be beneficial or encouraging to educators that may have been in the same spot this year? I mean, certainly we've been hit with a lot of things we didn't expect the last few years in education, but what was a a couple takeaways from this year where you found your footing and you leaned into what we all love about teaching, regardless of the age, the kid that we are teaching and how well prepared we felt for doing it. Um, I think I really had, as a type A teacher, I like to have everything planned out. I had most of the first few weeks done, um, you know, lesson planning and everything. So I had to rely on my team 
uh, on my campus a lot, but I also had to rely on the team of kind of the master students that I literally just met a few months ago, um, you know, crying to them, talking with them, um, being very vulnerable with them, which was, you know, something that I wasn't expecting to do just after meeting them, you know, in June. But I had to rely on them a lot. I had to rely on my campus team. I had to, I feel like, rely on you and Dr. Cox as well, just to kind of, you know, ease some of my anxieties and, you know, feel like I was on the right path in this master's program. Um, you know, doing our um, performance tasks, I was so nervous that everything I had done over the summer was just going to be kind of wasted um, because I had done it through the lens of fourth grade and being the team lead. But, you know, getting to talk with y'all and um, getting to talk a lot of lower grade teachers who were in the master's program, um, you know, I was able to pull out a lot of my strengths and shift them to teaching kindergarten. Um, and so I was just really grateful to have those people to lean on. And then the team on my campus, I mean, they were just so instrumental on giving me stations and, you know, walking me through how to teach kindergarten in a certain way, you know, going from reading levels of like 38 to A's um, was a total game changer. Um, and so I just had to lean on that. And I had to lean on my family um, and my faith, you know, prayed every day just to like have the courage to walk back in the door. Um, and so that's kind of what I took away a lot of just, you know, I was used to being so self-sufficient um, and I needed to kind of check myself and lean on my support team and got a lot more than I was expecting for this year. Wow. Uh, it's such a good, good reminder. I, when you were talking, it took me back to, I started off teaching fifth grade and then I had to switch to fourth grade the next year. And I did that for, I did, I taught fifth grade for seven years in the end and fourth grade just for that one year. And I avoided middle school like the plague because I hated middle school as a student and I didn't want anything to do with it. And the Lord has a sense of humor with that when we moved to to Nashville when I started my doctoral work there at Vanderbilt, I was still teaching. And so I got a job teaching and coaching in middle school. And I still remember those moments where I'd be in front of the class in my first year, whatever the grade was, and something wasn't going as planned because I like to have things planned out as well. And sometimes I would plan it really well, but I would have pitched it at the wrong level because I wasn't thinking about how a fourth grader or a fifth grader or a seventh grader would approach it or one class just wasn't getting it. And just having to stop and pray in that moment. And the kids thought I was using silence as a way to manipulate them and get them back in, but it was me just getting myself refocused. And it actually was an effective tool because then after that three to five second urgent, desperate prayer, <laughs> I was able to say something coherent that got us moving at least more in the right direction, if not completely riding the ship. And so, I think that dependence on something more than ourselves and whether that's others or our faith or, you know, the wisdom that comes from curriculum lesson planning that, you know, there's a lot of good stuff out there for kindergarten and you were able to tap that. And I think that's what, the, the center and what the MA is meant to be. So before we jump into the Baylor Center for School Leadership, talk a little bit about the kind of network you've built through a master's program that was designed to get you into school leadership and, and expand that network. How has that happened over the course of the year while you've been teaching full-time? Um, I think the biggest thing has been, you know, the engagement, you know, we started off those first two weeks and we were immediately engaged in the good work and building these relationships with 
fun activities. Um, you know, I looked back at the Waco escape room um, picture that we took and almost everybody that was on my team is someone I talked to at least weekly. Um, and that just happened to be, you know, a coincidence. And um, I talked to most of the group from our masters pretty regularly. Um, but just that we got engaged so quickly. And I think that also, you know, kind of has, has translated into teaching kindergarten, you know, you have to keep them engaged, like every five minutes, um, or they get tired of you, they are getting distracted, they might hurt themselves. Um, and I recently started uh, physical therapy. And, you know, the, some of the exercises that they have you do, they're wanting you to do them like every two hours. And I was like, I teach. I don't know how you're expecting me to do that. He's like, just engage your kids. He said, get them on the floor with you too. have them, you know, do all these stretches with you. They'll love it. And they do. Um, and I think that that's kind of how the master's program treats us. You know, it's like engage them in it, just have them be working with it. And you don't have to say anything else because they see the good work happening. And so even my kids who, you know, they're small, they don't really have back problems, um, but they're always like, oh, I just feel so relaxed and ready to go. <laughs> uh, and it's funny just to hear them talk about that. And so, you know, just constantly engaging the work and constantly engaging in these relationships is just so special. And I think something that really only this program can offer. Well, and I, I, I love that. I hadn't heard about the bringing your therapy sessions to the kids, but I, I think that's huge. I, mean, I think it is right in leadership. We engage other people and we, we bring them into our, uh, our issues in, in your vulnerability that was required by starting kindergarten that built trust with people. Brene Brown writes about this all the time. And they then became vulnerable with you. I know they've shared a, a great deal with you and people have had hard years, uh, both in their families and their schools. It's not, it's not been an easy year. So what encouragement would you offer to educators that are kind of limping to the end of the year about where the hope is and what we do and, and where they can find the kind of encouragement that you have? Do you have any practical wisdom or any things that you haven't already shared that you're like, Hey, if you're, if you're struggling, here are a few things to reach out for. I think the biggest thing is to, you know, hold on to the hope that something bigger is coming um, and not necessarily, you know, a new job or the fact that it's summer. Um, but, you know, hold on to the, all of the things that you've learned this year, even though you might feel drained, you know, that kind of once you do get a break and kind of have some mental clarity, you're going to be like, Oh my goodness, all of these things I did worked so well. Or, you know, maybe this particular thing, I tried it this year. I really wasn't expecting it to go well, but it worked amazing. And I'm so excited to bring it into the next year. Or I'm so excited to try it with this new group of kids. Um, or if it's something personal that you learned, I'm so excited to see, you know, is this going to continue on um, and continue bringing me joy and bringing me strength? And um, I'm kind of in this transitional period, both in jobs and in physical locations and all of these things. Um, and so I've been going to a lot of different churches and, you know, whether it's in Waco, Dallas, Salado, I was there the other day. It seems like every weekend, the song that is playing is yet not I, but through Christ in me. Um, so I feel like I've sang it every week. And then of course, in my own car as well. Um, so I just think having that kind of reminder constantly that it's not me it's christ always um and so like he's what i'm holding on to and through all of these transitions and changes um and so i'm super excited to now be in a job that kind of pushes that um 
and has, you know, that as the force. Um, but even if your job is in a public school and you don't have it as a constant reminder from your admin, you can still have that internally. Um, you know, you can start your day with prayer. You can start um, each lesson with a reminder of, you know what, even if this fails, I can still learn from it and change it for my kids. Um, and so I think that's kind of how I'm getting through these next two weeks, just knowing even though I'm not going to go back to teaching kindergarten, there's still life lessons and things that I've learned and things now I can go and tell other educators um, to kind of encourage them the rest of these two weeks and continuing on in their careers. So we're so excited the that you have chosen to join us at the Baylor Center for School Leadership uh, as the coordinator of all of the crazy stuff that we try to do. So we've kind of described the position as a glue position because you've already filled that role somewhat in the master's program. So as you look ahead to the work that we get to do in the next year at the center, so whether it's the improvement communities, the networks, the professional learning we do in person, the connection with the master's program, doctoral program work that we we do. What gets you the most excited about that opportunity? And what kinds of things do you want educators to know about that we're going to be doing through the center in the coming year? Um, I think just communicating with other educators, like that is one of the most exciting things for me. Um, and now that I get to do it as a full-time job and not just trying to squeeze it in um, while being a teacher is going to be really amazing because I'm going to be able to dedicate a lot more time to it. Um, you know, getting to talk to this new cohort that's coming in already and making those connections with them. Um, a lot of them, you know, when things are through email or maybe just they're seeing it on the internet, you can't convey some of the things that we're trying to do or what they're going to expect um, when they show up in June. And so just getting to like get on the phone with them um, is super awesome. And I think slowly making that network so that it's not just me that they can talk to. They can talk to all of their um, cohort members that are going to, um, they're going to get to meet this summer. And, you know, I going into the master's program kind of wanted something to kind of hold on to a verse or a song. Um, and so for cohort three, I was searching through, you know, in my Bible studies and my time, um, wanting to find something that I could be praying for them. So I kind of looked to Romans um, and focused on um, Romans chapter 12, verses one through eight, kind of talking about not being conformed to the world and, you know, the transformation and their renewal and, you know, all the different gifts. And I think that kind of passage really summarizes the Center for School Leadership because we all have these really amazing gifts and we're turning it towards one thing, which is, you know, being catalysts and being educational leaders so I think that's one of the things I'm really excited about for this cohort, but also just the entire center for this next year. That's great. The follow-up question to that is, what do you think the biggest challenge that educators face going into 2023, 2024 that we at the center could help be catalysts for? We always talk about being catalysts, coming alongside, accelerating good work without being used up. So it's a sustainable thing. We uh, we see educators leaving, uh, really good educators leaving and people not wanting to step into leadership because it just feels so hard and so polarized right now. What's the biggest challenge that you see leaving your kindergarten classroom and coming to work full-time at the center? Uh, what do you see as that biggest challenge? 
I think the biggest challenge is when you don't have the network behind you. Um, you know, I wrote for the blog earlier this year about, you know, heavy is the heart that wears the crown or heavy is the head that wears the crown. Um, and one of the things was if you're doing it by yourself, you are going to burn out. Um, and it is going to be stressful and you aren't going to want to step into a leadership role. And I feel like sometimes those leadership roles can feel isolating because they don't feel like they have a network to rely on, or if there's a network that it's more of competition and jealousy that they're having to kind of perform um, to get a certain place. And so I think, you know, showing people that there is resources and there are people to lean on that aren't going to, you know, shove you down um, when you expose a vulnerability. Um, so I think, you know, being vulnerable is a big challenge um, in being a leader and then trying to solve that by finding a network where you feel comfortable enough to do that. No. Yes. And, and one of the things that I've appreciated about you so much is your willingness to come alongside people when they're struggling. So you'll show up after school, you'll drive an hour, hour and a half and just show up because somebody's having a rough time and you're there and you're physically present. Anytime we're doing a recruitment event, you show up, you show up for people in a way that, allows them to flourish and they may not feel like they're flourishing yet because they may be in crisis and you're just coming alongside, but you, you help stop the downward trend and then help get them moving. Now that takes a lot out of you, but I also know that's life-giving for you. So if that's the way you're wired, lean into that because our kids need it. But right now our peers, our colleagues in education really need it. And that's a powerful role for a leader to play. And it doesn't always get viewed as leadership, but that is absolutely leadership because it is influence. You are influencing that person to do the job that they were called to, helping them become all they're created to be. And sometimes educators are great with that with kids and they're not as good with adults. And that's what I've loved seeing you. You, you kind of live this out in the way you interact with your friends, with your colleagues and your kindergartners. And so that's a pretty powerful way to think about it. So uh, this last part, I usually ask a few questions just in that, what we call our lightning round. Totally have stolen that from Adam Grant because I love this because you get kind of random thoughts from people sometimes. So I really just want what comes to your mind uh, first, and then we'll let you wrap up with any closing thoughts after this. But um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received as an educator or best piece of advice you've given? That's that's also fair game. I think my best, the best piece of advice I've ever been given is just to kind of, you know, not let things drag you down, not let things constantly affect you. And as someone who, um, struggles with that. It like it it needs to be a constant reminder for me. It's just not one piece of advice that I can get and, you know, have it stamped in my brain. Um, but I was, you know, upset about something with a substitute the other day. And I walked in and my coworker was like, just let it go. Like you're okay. Just let it go. And, you know, I used to think of that as just let it go. Like don't don't care about things. Um, and that's where I first took it when I first heard that piece of advice. Um, and it's not. It's not to let it go and not care about it. It's just don't let it drag you down. Don't let yourself burn out because of it. Um, if it's something that is, you know, bad enough that it needs to change, well, then be that change, you know, start working on it. Um, but also if it's something that is out of your control for the time being, you can't just sit in it. 
Um, and so, you know, my mom will start singing the Elsa song sometimes for me too. Um, but you know, that's just something that I've learned, you know, you can let it go. That doesn't mean that you're not caring about it. It just means that you're not letting it affect you right now. That's great. I think this is shocking that you can also be citing Romans eight and frozen in the same (laughs) podcast. That's the, there you go. So, but that's, be not conformed to this world. And uh, that's, this is the way we, we do it. So the worst piece of advice you've received, you're, you're a newer teacher. There's a lot of bad advice. I feel like we give newer teachers. Uh, what would be the worst piece of advice you can remember receiving? Oh, the worst piece of advice. I think someone was just like, you know, just close your laptop, just, you know, walk away. And it's kind of similar to the let it go. And it just, you have to kind of figure out the context of which one you want to, listen to. Um, but yeah, that they kind of just said, you know, stop working so hard, you know, you don't need to put that much, you know, effort into it. And I get that there is some part of it of you don't want to be burned out. Um, but a lot of the times it was jaded educators who at this point were just like, I'm done. I'm clocking in, I'm clocking out, you know, walk out at three 30, leave your laptop. Don't check your emails. Um, and, you know, just don't care. Like that was their advice because they didn't want these teachers to burn out in terms of how much effort they were putting in. Um, but at the same point, even though they hadn't quit, they were just as burnout as we were um, because yeah. they weren't caring about anything anymore. Um, and that made their day so difficult because, because they didn't care. It was like every minor issue in their classroom with their students, um, you know, with anything, it would just be another rock on their back versus, you know, being able to kind of let some of those things go when they didn't matter. Um, but then still moving on and, you know, being energized by your kids and being supported by your team. Yeah. I I think it's not about the amount of work you do. Uh, I think it's the way you view your work. And so it becomes what's life giving to you. So you spending an extra couple hours on a Canva project is energizing for you where it wouldn't be for someone else. And so I think that's where we have to step in where, work is life-giving and just telling you to stop working is not necessarily the right answer. Certainly people can become workaholics. I have a tendency to do that because I do enjoy my work so much, but there is a point where you do need to shut your laptop, but it's not three 30 when you think your contractual time's over and you're just done because that's what the con the, the contract says that treats teaching like an occupation as opposed to a profession. So I appreciate that about you. Um, last two questions. What would be your word to describe this 2022-2023 school year? I think humble. I was humble. humbled a lot um, by, by kindergartners. Um, they are ruthless sometimes in their <laughs> um, comments. And so, but also, you know, um, I really liked this whole summer that we kept quoting Micah 6-8, you know, um, yeah. to justly love mercy and walk humbly. So I wanted to embody that anyways. Um, but then when I was brought in with five and six year olds, I mean, they, they humble you daily. Um, and I think it was good for me, honestly, sometimes, um, to have that and, you know, to walk alongside them, um, was something that as much as, you know, as stressful it was as the beginning, a, opportunity that I've really enjoyed. Um, and I liked working with those kids a lot. Um, and I'm definitely going to miss them when I leave. Yeah. Well, that's good. What is a word that you would like to describe the 2023, 2024 school year? 
I think transformation. I think, you know, I really want not only my work to be transforming for others, um, but I want this cohort three that's coming in. And I know, um, you know, they've started posting about the PhD candidates that are starting um, on Twitter the other day. I want each of them to be able to be transformed by Baylor um, and then, you know, keep going out and transforming the lives of others um, to have this kind of domino effect through the community and through the state of Texas and through wherever these educators are, because some of them are all over the place. Yeah, no, that's really good. Well, Sahira, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Can't wait to have you here full time and just finish out the year well with your kindergartners. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. The end there where Sahira described this last year as humbling and next year as being transformation. I hope that we are all transformed daily by the humility that comes walking alongside other human beings and helping them become more of who God created them to be in the profession that makes all of this possible. I hope you have a great week. And then as your year wraps up, it is a powerful reminder of the meaningful work we get to do every day. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Baylor Center for School Leadership. Join us for our Just Schools Academy this June, where we will use Dr. Eckert's book, Just Teaching, to do better work together.